0: Welcome back. We are talking today and tomorrow, sharing with you guys our ultimate open house system. Now we've talked about this before and the reason we bring this up usually every six months, four to six months is because we're always updating and revising it, always improving it based on the feedback from all of our amazing coaching clients all over the country. But also frankly, this is gonna be one of the best open house, dare I say, six to 12 month periods of probably the last 20 years and for a whole host of reasons that we're gonna be sharing with you guys today. Now, before, well, actually, you know, it used to be that the top producing agents, Julie, Mm -hmm. they would shun open houses thinking somehow that's just the domain of the new agent. But they don't think that anymore. They know open houses are a cash cow.
1: Absolutely. And going forward with listings sitting a little bit longer on the market, you can guess what? Do more open houses and make it an even more legitimate spoke
0: in your lead generation wheel. So I'm going to start out with this little bit of education, then we're going to read you guys an email. So here's how the buying behavior for all consumers acts you know this is the pattern this is how you buy things especially when it comes to real estate where people start their searching is not where they end up buying 99% of the time for example you are going to say for example think you're thinking about buying a new house you're going to go online and you're going to start your search online realtor.com you know wherever you're going to do start doing your homework you're going to start exploring the different homes what you get for cost per square footage the you know all that good stuff And then what's going to happen is you're going to go from, say, looking at a particular city and then you're going to be focusing on a particular, you know, maybe it's going to be a neighborhood or maybe it's just a specific geographic area. Maybe you want to have a waterfront house or maybe you want a house that's, you know, close to this amenity or that amenity. You guys get the gist of it. And then after that, people start driving neighborhoods. That's the pattern that humans follow when looking for real estate in particular, but similar to when they're looking for anything. Now, why am I telling you this? Because your best buyers are always going to be the ones that are driving through the neighborhood and they're the ones that are least likely to actually already have a real relationship with an agent. Tim, what about all the agents they met online? Well, for the reasons that we've been telling you guys for the last 20 years, online leads, generally speaking, do not actually turn into real buyers at the same level as an open house buyer would, but it's even worse nowadays. Is the cost of a you know, essentially a passively generated paid for buyer lead has gone through the roof and it's going to continue to get more expensive why not do open houses as a regular part of your marketing as one of your lead generation spokes and if you have a team or a brokers get all of your agents participating think of a downside for doing a bunch of open houses that are effectively generating lots and lots of buyer leads they don't cost anything it makes it so that you and your agents if you're a team or a broker are out there actually being proactive in the community and you do peel out a lot of potentially great listing leads but my point is, is when you're actually thinking about the cycle in which people choose to buy, first of all, they uh, they start online nowadays. It used to be newspapers and whatnot. And then what happens is they start focusing in once, you know, focused in on a particular area The funnel gets smaller to the point where they're driving neighborhoods. When they're driving neighborhoods, they're driving on Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays to see the new listings and and the signs, and then Sundays to actually go to open houses. If you're one of the only agents in a particular community that's holding an open house, you are going to pick off all those potential buyers. And again, if it's a price range that is going to, you know, have a natural move up or move down, like for example, when Julie and I sold real estate in New Albany, Ohio, our last part of our real estate careers. You would, If we held a house open for, say, $450,000, we would be getting some people that might be downsizing from a 650, but we'd get a ton of people that were upsizing from a 200, 250 to 300. Now, obviously, this was a while ago, so you can escalate that uh, price point up. But if you're in a market where your average sale price is a million dollars and you're holding a million-dollar house open, you're going to get a lot of those potential people that are either moving up, maybe even, believe it or not, buying their first home – um, or moving down, or investors, you guys get the point. So the point of an open house is obviously to get the house sold, but the real point of an open house is to get off your butt, get away from your your you know computer screens, and go out there and you're looking for listing leads.
1: That's right, and if it is your listing that you're holding open, of course, you're also going to be keeping your seller happy because sellers are very attached to the tangible thing that they can actually see you doing, not to mention all the hours they spent watching HGTV and Bravo believing that opens are important. If you try to argue with most sellers about open houses, you're most likely going to lose. About nine out of 10 of them do want to do it. If you have a seller that's not into it, that's okay. But as a listing agent, it is an important thing for you to not just do the open house, but give them lots of feedback. And you know, a lot of you guys listening are saying to yourselves, well, I've tried open houses before, nobody came or this or that. Well, it's because you're not following a particular system.
0: You know, it's also fascinating, Julie. Um, In our 30 year career, The answer to this next question has always been the same, even with the internet and all this proactive or all this passive lead generation. And the question is, is who do buyers and sellers choose to work with? And the answer is always the same. The first agent that they meet 99% of the time, a buyer or seller is going to choose the first agent that they meet. You mean
1: that they meet for real,
0: for real, right? Not the most qualified agent, not the most experienced agent, not the youngest agent, the prettiest agent, the agent with the most likes on, you know, whatever the, first human that they meet that has a real estate license almost always that's the agent that they're going to work with that's fascinating isn't it it's a disadvantage to experienced veteran agents because they after all should not have to you know be seen in the same level as a new agent but from a new agent's perspective every new agent every midland agent who's worried about competing against some you know big pterodactyl agent you know some big t-rex agent that's you know been in a market for a long period of time well to most buyers and sellers they don't discern a difference an agent is an agent is an agent so keep that in mind especially when you read a great email that julie's about mm-hmm. to share with you from a wonderful coaching client named audrey
1: yes this is from audrey monson out in utah and she sent an email maybe an hour ago. It says, thanks to all of you for my, uh, my open house this weekend was amazing. We had 26 groups of people through and at least two great leads. It was a traffic jam. Thank you for sending me all of the information. She's working on our open house system. I was able to implement most of it and next time I'm going to implement 100%. So shout out to Audrey, nice job on that. We are actively building her open house spoke. This will not be just a one-off experience. This is going to be a lead generation spoke for her business.
0: By the way, Audrey, I know you're listening. So remember this. I know you just did this open house recently. You've got to call every single one of those leads. Don't text. Well, you can text, but make sure you call. The calling, the actual conversation, voice to voice, ideally, you know, human to human is going to absolutely positively generate you more leads. And when you do call them, make sure you have the pre-qualification script at the ready to pull out all those prospective sellers. And also keep in mind that a lot of the people coming through open houses actually might be the neighbors who are essentially building their own, you know, comps for when they decide to put their house for sale.
1: Very, very likely. And you know, it's interesting, you said that, that people will use the agent first one that they saw face to face. That includes, <clears throat> excuse me, going into the future. How many times, those of you who do open houses systematically will, sit, will know this, Somebody will call you and say, you know what? I met you in an open house like 18 months ago, and you were the only agent who gave me the time of day. You were the only agent who was nice to me. You were the only agent who followed up with me. So take that seriously. You're going to have the obvious leads, like what Audrey just stated, the two that she knows for sure are good leads. Then you're going to have a whole bunch of lead follow-up to do a good job on.
0: Well, but as far as lead follow-up, furiously fast lead follow-up, it's a chapter in our book. That's how important it is. If you've not, not received, or rather if you've not read or listen to our book yet. It's called Harris Rules. It's a bestseller at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere else, where you're uh, you know, where you buy books everywhere. we've seen it for sale you know airports and yeah. just it's fantastic. Awesome. But get the book and we talk about furiously fast lead follow-up. And again, going back to the um, I think eye-opening uh education I was just giving you guys about the level in which buyers or sellers the filters in which they put their prospective agents through, which is basically none. You know, in other words, the first agent that they meet. But I'll tell you the other secondary part of that, which Julie just reminded me of. It's if you are an agent who is furiously fast with your lead follow-up and you are calling, you know, urgently following up on all your leads, you're going to win 99% of the time. Now, if you combine that with uh, energy and enthusiasm – being enthusiastic about real estate and being enthusiastic about being of service to other people and you're you know, furiously fast lead follow-up and you're doing open houses. If you just did those three things as far as lead generation, and those are as bad as frankly passive and low stress and low skilled as you possibly can have, especially if you're using a pre-qualifying script, there's pretty much no chance you're not going to develop and generate dozens of leads. Just don't be a wimp about looking for the listing leads because again, depending on the price point, You will soon discover 50% of the people that show up in your life as buyers, you know, they're saying they're interested in the house for sale. They really are interested in selling a house before they buy whatever they want to buy next. Keep that in mind. If that doesn't motivate you, you're unmotivatable.
1: Well, it's really (laughs) true because how many times will sellers say, well, you know, I think I want to sell, but I need to go and make sure there's something for me to buy before I make that decision.
0: And how are they deciding, like, you're wondering, well, okay, so if I'm listening to what Tim and Julie are saying, They're telling me that it's a completely level playing field, uh, provided I'm actually on the field. Correct. In other words, you have to be doing the open houses. You have to be doing the furiously fast lead follow-up. You can't be hiding behind a keyboard. You can't just be dropping people into a CRM expecting some digitized lead follow-up system to replace your voice and your skill set. These are all 100% true. But here's the advantage you have. If you don't fight in your mind with what I just said and you actually are willing to do the real work of real estate – all of your competitors, and that is what they are, they're not going to necessarily uh, think like that. They're going to be so, if you came into real estate in the last really 14 years, uh, passive lead follow-up and passive lead generation has become totally normalized. So if you want to have an unfair advantage in the marketplace, don't be the agent that's passive. Be the agent that's actually going to do the things that we're about to share with you with point number one, but do the be the agent that's doing the open house. Don't just sit on your butt in the open house. Again, we're going to give you the rules here in a second. Have conversations. What is, Now you're wondering, what do I say? We're going to tell you. Now, this is just an overview of the system, obviously, for those of you who want to take your open house um, lead generation system to the next level. The complete system is waiting for you on Premier Coaching. Many of you, hundreds of you, actually in the last, let me think. Since June, well over a thousand agents have joined Premier Coaching, and I understand why. You guys are looking for a very specific direction in your real estate businesses. You're wanting to understand exactly what you should know and exactly what you should do and which order you should, you should do it. You don't want to, and frankly, you don't have the time, to trial and error and test this and test that you want to have an exact proven plan. That is what Premier Coaching is. And Premier Coaching was designed for a market like this. It works in all price ranges, all interest rate environments, all political environments. It does not matter. Premier Coaching is free for you to join now. Text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Do that urgently, guys. Don't wait another two or three months or lie to yourself that you're going to Finally, get your act together with regards to your business plan and your real estate career. Do it now. Have a a jump on the new year. If you're listening to this in replay years from now, don't worry about the fact that this is a you know previous podcast because the information is still relevant. But you guys do have three months right now before the new year starts. Why not, as we've been begging for all of you to take seriously, why not mentally and emotionally start your new year now? And the best thing you can do is get your skills together. Expired listings are going to be an absolute cash cow in the new year. They are now. We've told you lots of examples of in all markets in the country. We're having coaching clients go in there and look to see how many expireds there are. It's not one or two. It's hundreds in some cases, thousands of expired listings. This is your market if you're willing to be a proactive lead generation a generator. If you're actually willing to finally become your best, you know yourself as as your. What was I going to say? The best version of yourself as a real estate professional, and that does take skills. So text the word PREMIER to 47372, or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com, and you can join now for free. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private coaching call.
1: Okay, so we have split this into two parts. This is part one, how to monetize your open houses. Stop saying things like, I'm going to go sit in an open house. It's all about monetizing your open houses. Point number one, and this is number one for a reason, choose the right house. First-time move-up homes are the best. Popular neighborhoods, school districts, and zip codes, the more curb appeal, the better. You know what's hot and what's not, so choose wisely. Don't hold an open that's behind gates, up a twisty road, hard to find, hard to park, or other inconveniences which will deter your turnout. So choose the right house.
0: Rural is going to be a bad thing because you're just not going to get enough drive-by traffic. You're going to want to choose like condos. If you're in an environment with just wall-to-wall condos or apartments, well, then you don't have any choices. But if you do have choices, always hold a single-family house for sale. And again, the checklists... I'm sorry, it Open hold a single family house open. The checklists on how to do this are all part of Premier Coaching, so make sure you absolutely positively follow the checklist when you're scaling this out. But Julie's first point, none of the other points are relevant unless you hold the right house open. If you don't hold the right property open, your people are not gonna go through a bunch of gates or a bunch of passcodes or, you know, essentially a bunch of maze, a, a maze in an apartment building or a maze in a condo building to get to the open house. They're just not going to do it. Unless and then you're
1: going to think that open houses don't work because nobody showed up.
0: You just chose the wrong one. That's it.
1: Exactly. Point number two, use at least 10 directional signs. More is okay. And ask permission to put those signs on the neighbor's lawns. Who do you know who I should call for my open house this weekend? You can order inexpensive, they're called bandit signs, and save money. I've seen them for as low as a dollar a sign. Uh, More signs equals more traffic. Purchase inexpensive ones if necessary. You can borrow them from agents and brokers in your office, but get the inexpensive ones so you can basically put 10 to 20 of them out on every major intersection. And always ask permission if you're planting one in the neighbor's yard.
0: So we'll scale up that idea. What we did when we were doing this in New Albany is we would do every weekend and we had buyer's agents working for us. We also had independent agents who would participate in this as well. People that weren't part of our team is we would do a Harris tour of homes. And we would have Harris Tour of Home signs with little arrows that would be pointing in the direction of the open houses. And then we'd hold all these open, typically we'd do maybe four to six opens um, every Sunday from like one till four, just, you know, really dependent on the traffic. We did eventually get to the point where we were doing a Harris tour of homes and we would do that once per month where we'd have, you know, a lot of listings and they'd be each open for 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes an hour each. Why did we do that? And then we, obviously we'd go, they, someone would go to the first one that was open from, say, 11 till noon. And then we'd give them a, a um, essentially a map of where the next one is going to be. And then people would go from open house to open house to open house to open house meeting at, sometimes we would have, which is kind of funny, we'd have three of our agents that were doing maybe in one day they do six open houses because they're just rotating from one house to the next because you're really going to prove to the market that you're really working your butt off to get properties sold. And when it comes to a seller thinking about who they're going to consider to be their listing agent, even if they play tennis with Bob every single Wednesday or whatever, the fact that they've seen you know Tim and Julie Harris in that example or your name in your community, that was actually working to get listings sold when other agents were complacent, you don't think that's going to at least give you a shot at competing for that listing? Of course it will.
1: Absolutely. Point number three, know the listing and know the neighborhood. You're not always going to hold your own listings open, so make sure you've done your research. Keep a cheat sheet of the following. All of the active listings surrounding this subject property, the pending listings recently sold in the neighborhood, as well as any neighborhoods which compete with the subject property, know the average days on the market and the average list to sell price ratio. It is very smart for you to keep that information at your fingertips during the listing, or I'm sorry, during the open house. That way, if somebody says, you know what, this is the neighborhood for me, this is the only place that I wanna live, but maybe this house is a three bedroom, I've gotta have a four bedroom or whatever, I need a bigger backyard. Well, you need to be able to say, that's interesting. I love this neighborhood too. In fact, here are the four or five other listings available. And then you can proceed to pre-qualify and perhaps get an appointment.
0: Now I'm going to give you guys, Joey's next point similar to that one, but I'm going to give you guys a suggestion. So um, a lot of agents make the mistake, in my opinion, of having a whole bunch of flyers there with all the pertinent information about the community Mm -hmm. that they then allow the buyers to take. I would absolutely positively not do that because you've just basically made it so that they have nothing to talk with you about because you've given away all the information. You want to have the information maybe on your phone. There's lots of apps that your MLS uses. the technology nowadays for Julie's you know, point number three and this point, uh, point number four that you can you know have complete market drill down right there on your phone. You could show it to them. You could read it to them, but don't give them something that's making it so that they don't need you anymore. You want to be able to help them uh, understand and translate the data, not just take it and leave. You guys get it? The point is for you to start conversations. And yeah, if you want to email them, Especially if they're a seller, if you want to email them information about the community, maybe a CMA and whatever, that comes as a result of you having this proprietary, with air quotes around it, information about what's actually going on in the market. Information is power. And there used to be an old saying that information wants to be free. No, it actually doesn't. Information doesn't want to be free. Really valuable information wants to be really expensive. In this particular case, respect the information that you have
1: yeah, so point number four, similar, know the facts about the competing neighborhoods. For example, <clears throat> excuse me, is there new construction nearby? Have you toured it? And do you know the facts about it? Are the builders offering incentives? And guess what? The builders are absolutely offering incentives. So you better know what's going on.
0: Incentives to both buyers and incentives to you as a listing agent, or I'm sorry, as a buyer's agent in forms of uh, commission. But Julie just brings up something else. I'm, I'm giving you guys advanced ways of thinking about this. You're going to do an open house. You're going to say, why the hell haven't I been doing this you know, all these years? Why have I been buying leads from Zolo? And now I'm doing open houses. And I'm having all these buyers like pound. you know, Sometimes you'll do an open house, the right house. And the weather's perfect. You put in enough signs out. You run the buyers off of the you know main thoroughfares and throughout the neighborhood. You have a line of people going in and out of the house. Well, if there's new construction nearby, how many of the let's say you have 50 people come through your open house? You're like Audrey. How many of those people? Are then going to go from your open house drive a little bit further see new construction open houses and go basically sign themselves up to do a new construction house what you need to do is assume that buyers are going to do that have a list of all the new construction information let them know that you can introduce them to all this information and you specialize in new construction because after all you've taken the time to get to know the new construction product and then what you do is you say can I introduce you to the new build rep at ABC builder that's you know two blocks away and they'll say yes and then I want you to text Bob, who runs the new build site at ABC Builder, and tell him that you're sending this wonderful couple down to actually meet with him. And then Bob's going to register you. And if that couple ends up buying that a house from Bob, then you're going to get commission on that, even if your involvement doesn't go beyond what I just said. That really does happen Hell all yet, the time.
1: Happens. All the time. And you know, it's a really fantastic environment for that right now. Because builders do have inventory, they're they're needing to sell and close before it, they. Near. And let's be
0: honest, some of these new build reps were jerks to buyers agents during the yep. you know sellers market. They're not jerks now. No, they're not. And so you need to get a list of all the perspective. To Julie's point, when you're doing an open house in a community, if there's new construction, and don't just think two streets away. Anywhere in that geographic area, mm-hmm. new construction almost always, provided it's not in a dramatically uh, advert like if it's in a location that's similar. Because resale, generally speaking, is in a better location versus new construction, which is further out. But who knows, right? Adjust accordingly. You need to know every single new construction, new build rep. We've done tons of podcasts, tons of coaching on this. Put them all, you know, frankly, maybe even have a WhatsApp group. Put all the local uh, new build reps in there and then send them one message telling them you're sending Bob by or you know Sarah and Steve or whatever, and you're sending them by and get them registered, you guys get the point. This is incredibly important and you will make money like magic when you do that, because I'm going to say this again, because I know some of you have never experienced this before. Some of you veteran agents have never experienced this before. If all you do is make the introduction, the new build rep is not given an incentive to cut you out of the deal. The new build rep is not given an incentive to put you on the deal. So if you introduce those buyers to that new build rep, And some builders will say, well, there's a threshold rule. You had to bring the buyers through. Well, the new build rep has a relationship with you, and that text introduction is all it's going to need. And by the way, do you think that new build rep really wants you screwing up their (laughs) sales process? No, No, they don't. So there you go. That is one of the easiest ways you can make money (laughs) from doing open houses. Well,
1: I get this. It works in the reverse as well. Assuming that you are nice and kind and communicative with all these new build reps— You know they have people that walk in their doors that say you know what this is a beautiful house but gosh it's like a hundred thousand over my price range maybe they will send them over to your open house it goes both ways so build those relationships well
0: to julie's point again how about how many of those new build reps are going to have buyers walk in that have to sell their houses and do those new build reps take uh, resale listings no they do not they're employees of the builder so who are they referring those listings to have you ever asked yourself that question real estate agents what some of our biggest competitors when jules and i sold real estate were agents who were getting fed a steady stream of listing leads from new build reps it's a no-brainer again we've done tons (laughs) of podcasts on this and there's very in-depth drill down information on premier coaching it's not too late for you to join premier coaching text the word premier to 47372 text the word premier to 47372 or just simply go to members.timandjulieharris.com members.timandjulieharris.com remember in texting message and data rates may apply
1: now points number one through five won't matter at all if you don't do point number six capture any and all potential prospects using an open house app or a sign-in book Follow up the same day or evening using our open house lead follow-up scripts. Which home in the area do you plan on selling? Making sure that you pull out those listing leads. You know, there's lots of different versions of how to capture uh, potential prospect contact information. Some agents will do raffles uh, for, you know, lotteries. They do, you know, a Starbucks gift card. There's many different ways to do this. What
0: I said earlier about not giving away all the market data, and what I said earlier, keep it on your phone and offer to email it to them, then that's your opportunity to obviously get their information. Yes. So don't just, you know, don't make a mistake of going in a corner with one set of buyers and wasting, you yeah, know, I'm not wasting necessarily, but spending all your time with those buyers as more people traipse through when someone wants more information, as we're trying to help you understand, you're going to do a high velocity, high momentum open house. Then what you're going to do is you're going to ask them to write their names on a piece of paper or on a list and a registry, like Julie just said, and then you're going to follow up with them, right? They can put little notes that they want to see or whatever. You have to be urgent with all of this. These simple things work incredibly well because of why, because everybody wants to actually get off their butts, go out and look at real estate. There hasn't been a lot of homes to look at because of the nature of the market. That's all changing now. Lots of neighbors who are maybe thinking about selling or maybe buying another house. You don't know. There's so much potential If you're actually willing to have real conversations with people, you're saying to yourself, well, I am Tim, I love people. Great. So now the next thing is, why aren't you doing it? I know what you're thinking, most of you. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. That's the reason you sign up for coaching, guys. That's the reason that you follow our conversation outlines, aka scripts, because it'll save you the pain and the frustration of having to figure it out on your own. Simple as simple could be.
1: Yes. And have we mentioned spending a whole lot of money on this? No. No, not even a whole lot of time on this. And we haven't mentioned paying any referral fees, buying any of this business or anything else. In fact... If you borrow, you know, let's say I just got in the business, I got no budget for anything. You can borrow directional signs. We did. Okay, yes. And especially if it's not your listing, you can ask the listing agent to print off some of your support material. But again, to your point, you're not going to over give away all of that information. Your app that maybe you get an open house sign in app, that's going to cost you, what, three bucks, right? So none of this costs you anything except for your implementation, your following the system, and you are following up.
0: Yeah. I mean... this does take me back to when you and I were first few years, couple years, really We sold
1: so many houses off open houses. It was crazy.
0: Our, especially our first year. Yes. We, we, so it was ridiculous. I mean, I, our whole system, like obviously we've revised it tremendously, but, I mean, some of these guys won't. Re- we used to have Enya playing on the, you know, <laughs> Enya know in the background. Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. We used to have, uh, you know, some a vanilla sound, a smelling when they walked into or the door. Baking cookies exactly. and water and all these things. Sign in book. But people uh, would walk yeah. in and they'd really emotionally react to the fact yeah. that they saw we made an effort.
1: That's right, and and back then, especially the first year or two, we were mostly holding open just flat out first time buyer houses. Yep. And I remember. It was probably less than 12 months into our first full year. That that one of those months we had 28 pendings. Yeah. And some of those were FHA, VA. This is where I learned all about home inspections on old houses and yeah. all of this before you had transaction coordinators and all that. But. I would say probably 80% of that was off of open houses, open house lead follow-up, and door knocking for sale by owners in that same neighborhood.
0: I remember, Jules, the first time you and I had lights go off (laughs) where we were driving down our street. Our first house was on uh, 280 East Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. And we started selling real estate in this really charming area of Columbus, Ohio called Beachwald. And the zip code was 43214. Yep. Yeah. And we still have a lot of rental properties there. Thank God, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when you and I were finally putting all these thoughts together. I mean, finally, we did in our first year, we sold 103 houses in our first year in real estate in our, basically in our twenties, early twenties. But I remember seeing the open house or I'm sorry, the FISBO signs. Yes. And I just realized at that very moment, like, you know, what the hell? I I remember thinking, here's somebody
1: saying, "I have a house to sell." And by the way, here's my phone number.
0: Yep. And and then like you go and you have these conversations with these for sale by owners, aka unrepresented owners, and you'd realize, well, these are just normal people that didn't know an agent.
1: I know. And then next light bulb that went off, they might buy with us too. Exactly. And then you hold their house open, and you get both sides of that, and one thing leads to the next. I I remember, I mean, you know, of course, that was back in the beginning, you remember those transactions because they were all new and you Mm -hmm. had no idea what was going on, but I remember that was the first time I realized that doctors, we had, remember that doctor for sale by owner in Beechwald, who had like this massive amount of student loan debt and and my pre-qualification brain was like, oh, I don't know if they'll qualify or not. Well, he had talked to a lender who had a special deal for doctors and because they were doctors, they were considered a higher, uh, you know, easier to, less risk, Right and they had a special mortgage program for doctors and also he had an 800 credit score, which I had also never heard that somebody could actually achieve. I mean, the things that you learn because you're willing to say, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you, And your willingness to figure it out and ask for help from your caring qualified coaches for example now we didn't have coaches back then we had to figure everything out right and that's where some of our coaching has come from is so that we save you the pain of that learning curve but
0: julie look at the juxtaposition to what these guys are being taught now right you get into real estate you're told to join a team you're told you join a team and then they're you know being they're feeding you very expensive leads right referral fee leads and some of you are so thrilled to be making 30 to 40 percent on the buyer side of a commission, or you get into the business, and what is your what is everyone telling you to do? Buy leads, build funnels, work on your CRM. Do you guys understand really I mean honestly how crazy some of that is? It just doesn't make sense. Every single street and every single you know city and every single state is going to have houses that are just obviously for sale because there's signs in the front yard. Well, there's expired listings and there's no default listings and there's you know probate listings and open house all, leads. I mean all these different sources. And you guys, why aren't you just going directly after the people who already have their hands in their air and saying, "Heck to the yes, do I want to sell my house? Here's my phone number. Here's the sign I made myself. Yeah. I'd love to sell my listing." And why is it that you guys would think that that is in any way an inferior source of business to creating some funnel and spending a oh, crap it's ton far of money superior. You, and spending a crap ton of money on your branding? How does it make sense? Oh, I know how because you can leverage your time through marketing, because you can generate a lot more biz- a lot more leads from marketing. You can generate a lot more leads if you're out there spending money on pay-per-click and whatever, but who cares? A lead has no value. Why do you think a lead, someone who filled out a form, is as valuable as, say, for example, uh, an unrepresented owner or a for sale by owner who has a sign in their front yard with a phone number on it? What in your minds make you think that generating 100 leads from digital advertising into your fancy funnel is as good as that seller right there is saying, I want to sell my house. It doesn't make sense intuitively. You're just blindly trusting that the people selling you this information, know what the hell they're talking about. They know what the hell they're talking about, about selling you information, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about, about selling real estate. Get real clear in your mind about this. This is going to be one of the best times to be in real estate. Certainly in the last 10 years, maybe in the last 14 years. Every single uh, bit of information that Julie and I have researched, and I don't want to talk about this today, Mm -hmm. but Julie, of course, she's the researcher, spent hours over the weekend researching, like we're updating as we have been for the last, like every quarter, all the reasons why there's not going to be a housing bust of any variety. Well, she's found information that is obviously reinforcing all of our previously uh, our previous conclusions, but even more reasons to realize there's not going to be a housing bust or really even maybe a, any sort of even minor league correction in housing values.
1: Well, in fact, I went searching for the opposite because, I, you know, we see these headlines too. And I thought to myself, well, uh, you know, you and I are both uh, optimists, right? We want to believe everything's going to be great. We we're very agent centric, obviously. But what if that weren't true? We always use our own filter. Like, what do I actually believe? Who am I because I believe that? I went searching for the opposite.
0: Right. In other words, we will hold an opinion, but we don't necessarily, we we obviously value and trust our opinion, but we don't want, we we want to go out there and look to invalidate our opinion to test our, essentially our theory. And so that's what you say. Trust
1: but verify. Right. And that's
0: what we do. We go out there and we'll challenge what we're thinking. Like, so for example, I heard and saw... Uh, people now that are telling agents that they need to go and get a short sale designation a short sale designation to learn how to do short sales I'm just gonna drill down on this since you got me going. Okay. Sorry So this is how much and, and guys listen if you want to argue argue do it in the comments Let's have a conversation So Julie and I did some homework and we found out we thought to our, so here's the argument ready for this and I heard again I've heard this all over the place. There are so many adjustable rate mortgages that there's going to be a massive uh, default because all these people are going to have their mortgages adjust to these rates that they can't afford. Okay, bullshit. Because the reality of it is, is the number of people who have adjustable rate mortgages in the country right now is less than 10%. Half the homes are owned outright. The other half have mortgages and less than 10% of those have adjustable rate mortgages. Who's to say those are short? Who knows what the nature of the adjustable rates are? And
1: of those people who have mortgages, they have on average more than 50% equity.
0: Right. So in other words, for there to be short sales. So you guys don't know many of you what short sales are. A short sale is where the seller has to sell. And just because they're upside down in their house, and this is the other annoying garbanzo (laughs) beans that's being sold. All of a sudden, this is what they're telling you. All of a sudden, when sellers are upside down in their houses, for some reason, they just all decide to default. Not true. No. When people say crap like this, trust your intuition. You know they're just trying to sell you something you don't need. So let's look at the facts. During the housing bust, there were a lot of people that were upside down in their houses. They Meaning owe- that
1: they owed more than the house would sell for.
0: Right. And what was the case then? The adjustable rates were making it so they couldn't afford the payment, and then they were defaulting. So were they defaulting and not making the payment because they were upside down, or they were or they defaulting because they couldn't afford the payment? And they could go and maybe even their own neighborhood and rent something that was similar and rationalize. Well, since I don't have any equity in this house anyway, I might as well just go out and buy or go out and rent something or maybe even do a buy and bail. What difference does it make? Those scenarios, those little, you know, essentially little things that evidently these people either know and don't tell you or don't know. They're not trying to they're not actually giving you the whole the whole truth of the matter. So the reality of it is. Is there's enormous amounts of equity. I think eighteen trillion dollars of home equity right yeah, now. On average, uh, yeah, on average,
1: more than that's right about fifty percent of homeowners who have a mortgage. Remember that half the country does own a house but doesn't have a mortgage on it. But if you do, on average, just about fifty percent of them have fifty percent or more equity. And there are certain states in the country where it's more like sixty or seventy percent equity. So it depends on where you are and how that market appreciated. But, you know, there, there's all of these things are intertwined, and we're going to do an update of this because the other reason that people ended up doing short sales, you might not, when you put your house on the market, maybe it wasn't a short sale, you're going to break even, but because there was a massive influx of inventory, which reduced prices, that meant that by the time your house did sell, you could be upside down, and you were either writing a check or you were short sale. Again, none of that is actually happening. And... and we have facts and charts and figures and graphs to, to you know, present that to you and to prove it. So uh, what I was really thinking as I did this research was when you see those headlines like, oh, there's an avalanche of adjustables that are going to happen. All people are doing is recycling headlines from about 2006 and a half.
0: Exactly. Right?
1: Because, well, this time must be like that time, except that it's not virtually in any way.
0: Right. And many of the people that are telling you that weren't in real estate, during the you know real estate crash, we or worked. they just
1: want to sell you an REO or short sale
0: little widget. So listen, guys, you every single one of you have uh, intuition. You have a good BS sensor. And when you're hearing somebody tell you something about lead generation or lead follow up or any of this stuff that you and I, Julie and I talk about every single day in the podcast or the market conditions, please trust your gut. Please absolutely positively do your own homework. And because here's what happens, you could very well uh, get persuaded to believe the market is going in a certain direction, and there's going to be a tsunami of you know distressed property. What does that cause you to do? I know what it causes you to do. Basically, nothing. Mm-hmm. You go into complacency mode. You know because there's nothing on the other side of that conversation. I saw another one. Someone forwarded me an email of somebody that was putting agents' names on lists of banks that will be distributing. Uh, REOs. Okay. That was the whole solicitation. There are no such lists like that. Do, they don't really exist. Do you
1: know what percent is actually in foreclosure right now? 1.9%.
0: Okay. And that, so, that's
1: actually, I think that's a historical low.
0: It, okay. Now there always are people that are in foreclosure. There are always are bank relationships where you can have get those foreclosures, there, but it's not millions You can, and we teach you guys how to do this in Premier Coaching. There are asset managers that you can get listings from. There are banks. There are ways to do it. Again, we teach you in Premier Coaching how to get this, but we're not going to lead you to believe that there's going to be an enormous opportunity for that. There absolutely isn't. If anything, and here's what's crazy. If anything, we are setting up, and it's crazy to say this, but we're setting up for what is going to be one of the most ridiculous boom markets in real estate of our lifetimes, and for all kinds of reasons that we're going to be explaining to you guys on an upcoming podcast.
1: That's exciting. I mean, I I went looking for something to reinforce some of those negative headlines because you know it's possible that we are wrong on some of this. You know, maybe the market shifted over the you know two seconds I wasn't looking. Exactly. But, um, you know, I went looking for that, and I ended up feeling much more positive. I was positive before, but I always like to search out facts to support my outlook but I really feel very enthusiastic about that. Now, yes, the market is shifting, it's changing. You have different things to deal with. You're going to have different clients, different types of prospects, but that doesn't mean that you can't have your own real estate boom. And we're gonna to talk to you more about this. We're gonna continue with our open house uh, discussion and some other things this week, but we're going to uh, you know, update all of that. So,
0: so let's put a period at the end of the sentence. <clears throat> sure. Someone's listening, they're now getting their juices flowing to do an open house. Maybe they've been talking themselves out of it because they believe that the sky was falling. Now they're realizing that not only can they do an open house, it's going to be a great source of business, but now they're realizing the sky isn't falling. Think of all the tens of thousands of mm-hmm. agents right now that we are hopefully having a very positive effect on. And we help you guys to realize that maybe the best market of your lifetime is, uh, is here, if not near Maybe the best opportunity for you to become the best version of yourself is here, if not near. It's up to you to take the actions. This podcast, our coaching program, is about educating you. It's about hopefully you feel motivated from that education. But none of those th- those two things mean nothing unless you're actually going to take some great action. Take some great action. Obviously, join Premier Coaching. It's the next natural step for all of you. Text the word Premier to four seven three seven two. By the way, I also want to thank all of you who've joined Julie Knight Exp Realty. For those of you who are looking for the next natural progression in your real estate career, eXp Realty makes sense. We're going to be talking about about eXp Realty and choosing a broker and just all the different ways you can build wealth through eXp, but also, you know, frankly, a lot of the things that maybe have been getting by you guys because of this past market's been keeping you so busy, you haven't realized some of the other ways you could have been making money. We're going to be talking about that more on upcoming podcasts. But in the meanwhile, if you guys are looking for a sponsor who will be very proactive in your success in your real estate career in eXp Realty. Julie and I are formally applying for the job of being your eXp Realty sponsor. Text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.